cannabis stocks, how to weed through the hype and select the best ones that will potentially go high in the future, pun intended. Now, we use the word pure within our fund names because we want to invest in companies that make the majority of their revenue or have the majority of their assets tied to the cannabis business. In an area like cannabis, I think active management is infinitely important. I don't think you want to invest in all the stocks in, in the area like an index would. So individual stock picking, extremely important in an area like cannabis. These are still multi-billion dollar companies. Very often they are profitable or they're at least on a clear path to profitability depending on what their, their growth metrics have been. People need to not invest in cannabis blindly because there's a wide disparity between the haves and the have-nots. My guest today is Dan Ahrens, Portfolio Manager of Advisor Shares Pure Cannabis ETF, YOLO, Pure US Cannabis ETF, MSOS, and the Vice ETF. Dan is also the author of Investing in Cannabis, the Next Great Investment Opportunity. Today, he's going to walk us through the process of selecting the best cannabis stocks in 2021. I'm your host, Kiana Danielle, the founder of the Investiva movement, where we aim to help 1 million parents take control of their financial future by the year 2025. So in order to help us with our mission and our goal until 2025, please go ahead and like this video to help us with the YouTube algorithm. And of course, share this video with anybody in your life who is interested or looking into investing in cannabis stocks. And if you're new here, go ahead and click on that subscribe button and hit the notification bell button as well so that you don't miss out on my next video. Now let's go and say hi to Dan Ahrens and talk cannabis stocks. so excited to have you here on the Investiva movement. Cannabis stocks is, oh my God, is one of the topics that I don't understand. I normally go for assets that I get it, that I get, that I actually personally use. And this is fortunately or unfortunately an industry that I know nothing about. In the past, my students have asked me about it. I've just blindly picked an ETF and I've been in those ETFs. I don't even know how they're performing. So I'm super excited to have you here because today you're going to teach us how to even pick a cannabis asset. What is the process that you normally take and picking the right assets for your own portfolio? Well, there's a great deal of education that's needed. And I regularly say that people should not invest into cannabis blindly. There are huge disparities between uh, different companies and even the makeup of different ETFs. Now, I'm an ETF manager. I'm a little bit biased towards ETFs. They're you know, easily tradable, they're tax efficient vehicles and you can get a diversified basket of stocks rather than trying to pick and choose, especially in an extremely volatile and rapidly growing area like cannabis, it's really easy to pick incorrectly. Now, the opportunity is still huge in my opinion, 
we've compared it to investing in alcohol at the very end of prohibition, for instance, you know, decades and decades ago. If somebody had invested in alcohol back then and held it for ever since, they would have basically outperform virtually every other industry in existence. We see that same type of opportunity to what's happening in cannabis. That is, so it's very exciting when a new industry appears. Cryptocurrency was one of them, uh, obviously cannabis, alcohol, or maybe even the dot-com boom back in the 2000s. But there's always, as you mentioned, there's a lot of volatility and risk involved when an industry is so young and there's not much known about it. So Dan, how do you go about picking or developing your ETF? Because your ETF is a basket of how many many assets do you have in your ETF? Well, we actually have two cannabis ETFs. One is called Advisor Shares Pure Cannabis ETF. It launched in April of 2019, and it holds over 35 different positions, still a very concentrated type of portfolio. And and we call it a global strategy. It has Canadian names. It has U.S. names. There's even an Israeli company and a a U.K.-based company in there. Of course, most of the focus is on North America. And only this past fall, we launched uh, what's the very first of its kind in the United States, Advisor Shares Pure U.S. Cannabis ETF. The first one's ticker is YOLO. The second one is that's focused just on the United States is MSOS or MSOs. And for people that don't know, when you have a cannabis operator in the United States, they are called multi-state operators or MSO. So our US-based fund, again, it's the only of its kind, it's gotten a lot of interest in recent months with what's happening in the United States with uh, federal reform expected to be coming in a big way. This US-based fund's got a lot of, of interest. Absolutely, and when we talk about cannabis, there are like company that actually create something, there are companies that uh, support the ecosystem of cannabis. There are real estate companies. How do you, like there are categories within the cannabis categories, am I right? Sure, sure. Now we use the word pure within our fund names because we want to invest in companies that make the majority of their revenue or have the majority of their assets tied to the cannabis business. But that still means very often cannabis operators, the companies that are growing, producing, selling cannabis products, whether it's medical marijuana or it could be recreational adult use where it's legal in Canada, where it's legal in certain states, the United States. There's also you know, a handful of biotech or pharmaceutical companies that really specialize in that space. A big one had an announcement this week, GW Pharmaceuticals in the UK. They're the company that has the first FDA-approved cannabinoid product. It's, it's used for treating epilepsy, especially in children. I mean, they're doing wow. great work, but their primary revenue, their primary product is a cannabis-based product. So we call them a pure company. What I don't own is, in these funds, big tobacco. I've seen other competitors have a bunch of big tobacco. Well, if you're trying to invest in a cannabis fund, I don't think you're tr- you want to invest in big tobacco. In my opinion, you also don't want to invest in Scott's Miracle-Gro. They're 
a fertilizer and weed killer company. Yes, they also own some hydroponics. They've been getting involved in the cannabis space, but it's not their primary focus. So another area is real estate companies, uh, REITs. There are a handful of real estate investment trusts, but again, not just dabbling in cannabis. We're looking at the companies that are truly specializing in the cannabis space. So how, I'm going to just call names here. How is YOLO? You only live once. I love the name. <laughs> I just love it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but we knew it would be so a popular um, ticker symbol in the space. Like nobody's um, going to forget about it. But how is this different, let's say, than MJ? Okay. This is a great example. If you look at performance over 2020, the differences are huge. The largest cannabis index, the largest cannabis ETF, you, know, you mentioned its name, MJ. I don't, I don't like to do competitor comparisons on, on um, competitors. <laughs> it was actually negative in 2020. YOLO, on the other hand, was positive about 47% in 2020. No, it's either two ETFs supposedly investing in the same industry, in the same space, taking on generally the same amount of risks, and the disparity was more than 55% in performance. I mean, that's outrageous to me. The difference are, are two things. In an area like cannabis, I think active management is infinitely important. I don't think you want to invest in all the stocks in, in the area like an index would. You certainly don't want to be a market cap weighted like an index usually is. So individual stock picking, extremely important in an area like cannabis. You know, indexes work great in large cap growth and in certain other industries, not so much in cannabis. The other difference is US focus. Our fund YOLO does invest you know, a large amount and a handful of Canadian, they're called Canadian LPs. Those are the Canadian, Canadian cannabis companies. We like a few of them, but most of them we greatly underweight. And names that you hear on CNBC and in the you know other mainstream media all the time, companies like Aurora and Tilray, oh my gosh, Exo and Kronos. Yeah. I'll be blunt, dumpster fires. I mean, companies that have lost money quarter after quarter after quarter. And with a company like Aurora, they have continued to dilute shareholder value time and time again through additional capital raises. Not something to invest in, but a very popular stock because people invest in cannabis blindly, especially when it gets in the headlines. Now, our fund YOLO, it invests a tiny bit in a couple of those companies, but it's mostly just tracking shares. I want to be a shareholder so I can be active, so I can get all the news, but it's you know less than one-tenth of one percent. There's a very profitable company, well-run in Canada, called Village Farms. It's our largest holding in that fund. It's a great performer. It takes market share away from those bigger names that get all the press. We do own a lot of Canopy Growth, for instance, they have a solid balance sheet. They got a big investment from a company called Constellation Brands, alcohol company. They've continued to lose money quarter after quarter. They're doing a lot of steps to right the ship and, and, and try to get it in a better position. 
But, uh, you know, they're a solid company that's not going away. So most of the Canadians are to be greatly underweighted. Our fund also owns a lot of U.S. exposure. And this is what people really under, need to understand. The opportunities on the U.S. side of the border, those companies that we drop their names and they constantly mention them on CNBC and so on, they cannot sell marijuana in the United States. Because they can't cross the border with marijuana in the United States, that's the only reason right now they're allowed to list on the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. They have to abide by those federal laws. These U.S. operators, and I'm talking about plant-touching U.S. operators, they're not even allowed to list on the major exchanges right now. A lot of people think that reform is coming in the next year or two, especially with uh, the Democratic wins in the White House and even control of the Senate. A lot of reforms coming, but it's still not going to allow those Canadians into the U.S., in my opinion. It's going to strengthen the U.S. operators. Hopefully, they'll be able to list on major exchanges. Right now, they're listed. They're still, they're not just OTC. This is important to understand. They are exchange-listed companies. They just list on a secondary exchange in Canada, and then they can still trade in the U.S. over-the-counter. They're available, sometimes a little bit hard to get for certain investors, but that's where the real opportunity is, in my opinion, on the U.S. side of the border and these other names. I'm going to drop some, like Cura Leaf, Green Thumb Industries, Truly of Cresco Labs. These are still multi-billion dollar companies. They've been forced to operate in a very frugal manner, grow their businesses state by state, they control the licenses in the United States. Very often they are profitable or they're at least on a clear path to profitability, depending on what their, their growth metrics have been. You asked me a few minutes ago, how do I select companies? On balance sheets and earnings. Does that sound really crazy? Balance sheets and earnings? The problem is most of cannabis over the last couple of years has not traded on things like balance sheet and earnings. It's traded on hype and nothing but hype. And stocks have gone up on hype and they've also crashed and burned on hype. And so over the past I year, we've seen a real separation. For a second. I totally, oh. uh, so here's a very interesting point that you mentioned, balance sheet. And so as a value investor, normally when I go and choose my stocks, if it's a company that I feel like because of its management, because of the vision, because of everything that is going on, that in five years time, in 10 years time, it is going to be in business and be profitable or become profitable eventually, I try to avoiding the hype, which is actually something that is very important and is sometimes hard to do. Uh, if I'm able to avoid the hype, I go in and buy it when it's actually down. I normally don't even, if it's an industry that has huge, massive possibility for the future, I sometimes even ignore the balance sheet. So given that this industry is so young, how do you even measure the balance sheet, like even without them even having the ability to be legal in majority of US states? Well, again, a lot of cannabis investment is gonna be based on the opportunity. 
you know, seeing the opportunity that again we we liken to the end of prohibition. You know, back in the old days um, when prohibition was lifted in the U.S. for alcohol, we think it's a generational opportunity, quite possibly, to invest in cannabis in general. But then you got to look under the hood, and I mean, look under the hood two different ways. You know, look at what our fund YOLO owns and in our newer fund that's getting even you know more attention is this fund MSOs because it's purely in the US. You know, ETFs have daily transparency. People can see the day after I do it what our holdings are. That's a great starting point for education. And if you compare those funds versus the other ticker you mentioned earlier, that's um, the only fund that's larger than ours, uh, just because it's been around a little longer and, and people recognize it as an index, you're going to see very different types of holdings. Now, when you look a little bit deeper, you're going to see a difference between most of the Canadian LPs on the one hand and these US operators on the other. And you're going to see, again, in my top holdings in YOLO, a handful of the Canadian operators. Well, what sets those Canadian operators apart? Money on their balance sheet, growth and earnings, profitability in, in some cases. Again, some of these companies, new industry, don't yet have profitability, but in this industry, we regularly talk about a path to profitability. Okay. On the other hand, there are heavily traded cannabis companies. And again, whenever they talk about cannabis on CNBC, they flash up the usual suspects of these certain yeah. names and certain tickers. If you look under the hood of a couple of those companies, you're gonna say, wow, this company's losing money every single quarter. They don't have money in their balance sheet. Their financials look like they can't even stay in business a whole lot longer. Well, they're going to stay in business by doing additional shareholder dilution. It's happened time and time again. It's truly pathetic. And again, we talk about education, and I know you're big on education. People need to not invest in cannabis blindly because there's a wide disparity between the haves and the have-nots. That is a big takeaway here. I absolutely agree because, uh, as I said at the beginning, I I don't know the industry, and it's very hard to actually get to understand. Like, it's such a new industry that if you're not in it, if you don't get it, it's been very, very hard for me personally to really select even the best ETFs, but our students always ask about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, just maybe pick the big one. But I'm super excited, super glad that you were here. And today we talked about how you manage your YOLO fund, which is something that we're definitely going to look into later. But my final question is that do you change, you said you manage the ETF actively. Does that mean that your holdings change on a, what, what is your time frame of management? That's a great question. And again, I said earlier that I wouldn't want to be tied to an index in something that's extremely volatile and quickly changing like cannabis is. So our funds are actively managed. We're not tied to an index. Me as the portfolio manager are picking the stocks and picking the weightings, but I'm not overly active. So no, we're not turning over the portfolio constantly. We're not trying to be market timers, but we do have the ability on any given day to change the holdings in any amount we want. 
again, we're not overly active. Sometimes I'm picking at winners and buying low on stocks that are down in a particular day. Sometimes we have new flows of money come in. Part of those come in kind. That's the way an ETF works, but part of it comes in cash and it gives me more cash to work with. So I like being opportunistic and I like being able to react to news as needed on any given day. I think it's important to be able to act in something like cannabis. I would never want to have my hands tied until a month end or a quarter end fixed period of time. That's crazy to me in something like cannabis. Yeah. And that kind of takes away the reason why I like this. Normally, if this is an industry that I know, I would go and manage it on my own, but this is an industry that I don't know. And the good thing about you actively managing it or semi-actively managing it is that I don't have to go in and out and pay more taxes on capital gains within a year because you're already doing it and we can just hold it longer term and see where it goes, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we, we do manage the fund to be tax efficient at the same time. And the ETF vehicle is inherently more tax efficient than a regular mutual fund or, or any kind of separate account. So that's an important thing. It all goes into various steps that we do in portfolio management within an ETF. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dan. This was so enlightening. I'm definitely oh, looking into this now because, oh, oh my gosh, this is super exciting. Thank you so much for your insights. Is there anything that you would like to leave our audience with? Any final comments besides, oh my gosh, I almost forgot your amazing book. You guys, I feel like if you really want to get into cannabis, you've got to read Dan's book, Investing in Cannabis, because you can't just go in blindly, as he said. So we're going to show uh, a picture of it. But please take the stage uh, for some final comments. No, I was going to say the same thing that you just said. You know, my book, Investing in Cannabis, just came out uh, November 3rd, Election Day, which was quite fitting. So it, it's, a, it's a new and timely book, and it is meant to be educational. It, it talks about the opportunity. It talks about the cannabis laws. It talks about everything that is proposed in the United States for reform. And it gets into the differences between Canada and the United States and why, and then gets into each, you know, some individual companies recommended in each of those areas. So again, it, it's not about our funds per se, but it's about education for investing in this space. It's on Amazon and everywhere else. <laughs> Please take a look. 100%. We're going to add a link to the book in the description area of this video. Thank you so much. And now Dan and I are going to go and talk with our Accelerator members to ask some of the questions that they may have. You guys, you heard him. Go get his book. Before you invest, please do your due diligence. Don't just go in it blindly. This can be really, really high risk if you don't know what you're doing. If you like this video, give it a thumbs up. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel to get our timely YouTube videos every single time. And I'll see you guys in the next IDM. All right, Dan, before we get to the questions, we have a tradition that I ask all of my guests, whether you like it or not. So we ask our guests to make a silly face. Three, two, one. Okay, that's it. <laughs>